0: With a clothing rental membership from Armour, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days then, when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new-to-use styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double-breasted black blazer from a new-to-me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style-obsessed, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today.
1: This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker you'll find what you came for here, and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com.
0: Welcome to About Progress, a podcast devoted to ordinary people who are striving to improve themselves, overcome obstacles, and make something special of their lives, all by maintaining a healthy balance. In short, people who know life is about progress, not perfection. Hi, everyone. First, if you haven't had a chance to listen to last week's podcast with Chris Clark, you most definitely need to check him out. He is going through ALS with such strength, realism, and humor, and it's been a very popular episode I've included a link to that episode in the show notes, which you can find on my website aboutprogress.com. I occasionally write there as well, but you can also find more about the ins and outs of my life on Instagram and Facebook at About Progress. Boy, has it been an awesome month for the podcast. We have had the most listens per episode and then per month ever. I've always said that it doesn't matter how many people listen. I just want to touch the people who need it. However, the more that get in touch with the message of this podcast, the better. And I am thrilled to see the progress we are making. And I owe it all to you. You are spreading the word. You are telling friends and family. I see that you're sharing episodes you like online too, which is really fun to see those. And you're also leaving reviews for me on iTunes and subscribing. So thank you very much. About those reviews, we are now to 37. This is no small thing for me. I read each review and I take the suggestions to heart. My goal is to reach 50 by the year anniversary of this podcast, mid-November. If you haven't done so yet, could you please take the five minutes that takes? You can do it either through your desktop by getting on iTunes and searching for About Progress under the podcast tab, or by searching for the show, through your app. Even if you're subscribed, that's the way you have to do it. You have to search. I know I ask for this each week, but those reviews and the subscriptions are the lifeblood to podcasts. That's how we are able to keep going. So if you're a longtime listener or someone fairly new who um, have been influenced by what you hear, I'd really appreciate you doing the return favor of leaving me a review. Also, my show notes on my website, I have a 30-second survey that I would love for you to also fill out so I can get a better sense of the demographics of who is listening. Thank you to those who have already done either or, or both of these things and still have to listen to my requests each week, and I promise I try to keep those short. Enough of my plugs for today. I'm really looking forward to sharing the wisdom that is in today's episode. This interview I did with Lizzie Jensen is airing today. She is a mother of four, an attorney, and the creator of The Small Seed, a non-denominational blog and Instagram devoted to talking about faith. Lizzie and I discuss so many things, but the common theme is learning what your life's mission is. Lizzie talks about life's twists and turns and how they can actually be to our advantage in the long run and how we can discover what gifts we are supposed to share with the world um, through wherever life decides to take us. Lizzie also shares some amazing truths about being a parent, the value of hard work that she's learned, what, what helps her the most and being successful in her goals. And so much more. A quick note before I turn to the interview, you can hear some annoying little children in the background and they're mine. <laughs> I've recorded several times this summer with my kids in my backyard with a babysitter and you can't hear them, but for some reason you can faintly hear them here and there in this interview. It shouldn't be distracting, but I just wanted to give the proper blame to me and not Lizzie on that one. Let's give Lizzie the rest of the time and I guarantee you will learn so much. Hi, I'm here with Lizzie Jensen. Hi, Lizzie.
1: Hi there.
0: Thank you so much for being on the show. I've been so eager to have you on. Can you please start by telling our listeners a little more about yourself?
1: Hi. So I am Lizzie Jensen, as you said, and thanks again for having me on your podcast. It's an honor to be asked to be on here. Um, I am a wife, a mother of four. I am a blogger, an attorney, um, and most recently delving into the world of helping women find their mission. Um so depending on the year, you get a little different answer
0: on that, but that's me in a nutshell. That is so great. You know, we uh, we were talking before we started to re- record about this uh, this new mission of yours to help other women find their mission in their lives, and I I think that's what I would love to focus on so much, and I know for you that started as a young girl. So I'd like to hear more about you as a little girl and what you were like growing up, and and uh, where this drive came from to find your own mission.
1: Okay, where do I start? So funny enough, or maybe not funny. People who know me well, I, I think, are often surprised by this. When I was little, I was actually pretty painfully shy. Oh, really? <laughs> and, um, I didn't really realize it. I think I was just, I was just the thinker. I was just mm-hmm. a thinker. I love to create, love to work with my hands. I think when I was in second or third grade, we filled out one of those, what I want to be when I grow up. And I drew this whole picture of me and I wanted to be a China painter. So oh, wow. set my sights really high. I wanted to paint China for people, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but I was always a little, you know, I was hesitant around people, didn't. Communication. I wasn't the person in the limelight, the person in the center that always made me uncomfortable. But I loved to create, loved always to create. Um, got great grades, but I never really. I think from early on, I didn't really have a high. What do I say? High vision for myself. I kind of thought, oh, everyone's probably just like me, and everyone likes to make things and loves to read and whatever. I, I loved to read. Most days when I didn't have school, I would legitimately make a whole box of macaroni and cheese and take the big, huge bowl up in the treehouse and read, like, a whole book.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that you're my twin is. right now. I'm not kidding. <laughs> like, everything <laughs> you're saying, that is so great.
1: Oh, I love it. I love it. So about seventh, eighth grade, I had been getting straight A's, and my dad pulled me aside and said, you know what, Lizzie, I, I think you could be valedictorian if you keep this up through high school. And I had I had only had one A-, I think, one A-, to that point but I turned to him and I was so shocked. Like me, like you think I could be a valedictorian? You think I'm smart? And it's funny looking back. Well, of course, like I was getting great grades, like why that was such a stretch in my imagination. But um, I think through middle school, high school, I had a lot of moments like that. And my dad was honestly my visionary a lot of the time where he would kind of say, I think you could be really good at that. Or I think you have a talent here and things that I didn't really see in myself. Um, and proved, what's the word? Prophetic, I guess, in some circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't end up being valedictorian in high school, I said, admit that, but I did end up being valedictorian in my college um, later down the road. Oh, that's um, amazing. And it was, I had straight A's through high school, but it was on a technicality if someone, they ended up ranking it in some way. But mm-hmm. really, because of his belief in me, those things came to pass. And so, um, and I realized, man, if I just work hard and apply myself, he's he's right. Like, I think I can accomplish some of that. So, always love to create. Always love to build. Um, so, I get, get through high school, go on to get my undergrad. Really, at that time, I loved animals. I loved children. had thought, what I really want to be when I grow up is I want to be a mom, and I want, and this is honest, I want 13 kids. Wow. <laughs> That's what he said in high school. Yeah. 13 children. I didn't even know anyone who had 13 children. But, I just thought that's just where the greatest happiness lies and I want a lot of kids. So get to high school or get to college, date around about in between, right at the end of my senior year, um, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and we, um, a lot of members of our faith in college will go and serve a mission. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, not a lot of girls would go and serve. Yeah. But about my senior year, I started feeling like, you need to go serve you should you should take these 18 months and go serve as a missionary and in the culture of the time it really was if you know if you have a chance to get married really that's not not necessary right like marriage family and in my own feeling like I want both kids I gotta start early right I probably shouldn't <laughs> exactly. go be doing too much more <laughs> gotta get a head start if you want 13 yeah um but just kept feeling like a mission, a mission. And so I started talking to my dad and I started talking to professors and my, you know, leaders of my congregation and just people that I respected and thought they would give me some great advice and asked. And every single one with the exception of my dad um, basically said, you know what? You're dating a great guy right now. He'd been dating a guy for about 10 months and he was awesome. Treating me well. We got along really well. And everyone like marriage, marriage, marriage. And, Hmm but there was something inside of me that just, that wasn't it. That wasn't it. And I couldn't explain it. It didn't make sense, but just I couldn't settle. And the minute I opened my heart and just said, I think it's a mission. And it was actually in the car with this guy. And he said, you know, if I supported you, would you go? And for whatever reason, that kind of let that barrier down and I was like, yeah, this is it. This is right. And so go on the mission, come back. We didn't, I didn't end up really dating this guy after, ironically, mm-hmm. um, but my life just kind of continued down that path of not what I expected, not what I expected. Yeah, I was dating plenty, but wasn't get didn't get married and ended up working for a year. Decided to go to law school. Um, that decision wasn't because I wanted to be an attorney. Um, really?
0: So, what made enough, you want to go to law school
1: then? Yeah. Um, really, I think it came down to, I want to have, I want to have flexibility to build what I want to build. And Mm -hmm. for me as a woman, it really came down to what's the best credential I could get. Yes. And so I said either an MBA or a JD. And as I was looking at a few people I could see coming out of an MBA, I didn't have a lot of work experience or a lot of direction exactly where I wanted to go in business. Um, I felt like women who came out with a lot, without a lot of work experience, oftentimes it was still hard to break in mm-hmm. to some of those jobs or to have the credibility. Yes. Um, but I felt like every woman I had met that came out of a JD, there was just an automatic legitimacy and kind of a respect that came from that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I thought, you know what? I think this is the best degree. Maybe I end up falling in love with the law and traditional attorney work, which didn't end up happening. And I kind of had expected it to be that way, Mm -hmm. but I'll come out with a degree that really will open. I feel any door that needs to be opened if I want to start my own thing or whatever. Um, and really, I guess I'll back up. I had studied, um, family communication and family therapy in my undergrad, Mm -hmm. um, thought I was maybe going to be a therapist, tried that, uh, did an internship, didn't feel like that was really my thing and thought, well, maybe also in law school, I can work more on public policy and, and the pol- helping with public policy for families. And so oh, that's cool. maybe that's something more, you know, in politics or something, not politics, but in the um, public policy side. Sure. Didn't end up loving that either, but I came out and again, it was just, I feel like throughout elementary school, middle school, high school, college, then my graduate degree, it was just another piece, another little dream, this is who you are. Ooh, I really love this, maybe someday that. Not holding back on my dreams, but just pursuing until I felt like doing something else and kind of putting that in my pocket, and okay, this will be explained later, I guess, and developing a skill here and having an experience there and traveling abroad, doing something here, and um, not being impatient, just kind of, just continuing to work really mm-hmm. um, taking the answers as they came to the next step, working hard in that. till the next path opened and working hard in that. And that's um, funny. I, I feel like that's continued even till this day where I, I do something and almost feel like, Oh, this is the final answer. I do it, become good at, you know, work hard, whatever. And then the next thing opens and I always think, Oh man, that that actually wasn't just for that. That was now for this new platform. Oh, that's cool to oh, know that way. And it, it I think hmm. it's helpful in hindsight to learn that. Yeah. Because sometimes, even, and I, I've had a few people approach me since and say, "You know what? What about failure?" Hmm. So, what if you failed at one of those things? And I often say, and coming from me, a very, you know. I, we'll probably dig into this later, I have a blog, a non-denominational blog about faith. I approach a lot of things from a faith-based per- perspective. Um, I believe when I feel that that voice inside me or direction from God truly leading me to something, I think early on, I used to think, he here's, he's giving me the what. Go do this, or it's law school, or it's, you know, whatever. Here's your major. And in that what, I would often imply a why oh he's telling me to do that because that's going to lead to this because this is going to come of it and then oftentimes the why doesn't happen
0: yeah and I'm the like, way am like you thought it was oh yeah.
1: totally totally almost every time without exception what I thought was going to come out of that act doesn't happen and it's interesting if I if I weren't so what would I say if I weren't so set on knowing that that was the right thing to do it would be very easy to second guess myself and say oh you know I didn't really know what I was doing oh that wasn't really direction oh maybe I didn't do a good job of it but I think I've had enough of those experiences now where I've seen no that really wasn't inspired what I just implied the why and didn't realize there was another reason for it um And it may be a year later or two years later, you then look back and you think, I thought I was just randomly going to do this experience and study abroad, or it was for something. And now it's coming back two years later and has opened a door to something I want to do now. I would have had no idea, no idea at the time that that would have come back. Or maybe I did a startup or I just had a friend ask me, you know, I did this app and it totally failed and I just, I'm hesitant to start something again because I feel like a failure And I gave her the same advice. I said, who knows why you had that experience, but keep going. I guarantee you learn something there. That's for something you're going to be doing in the future. It just, it Mm -hmm. just has happened too many times that I really feel like that's how it goes. So I feel like that's been my path. And just now, even this year, the, the past two months, I feel like new things are opening where I think, oh man, that's, that's what law school was about. That's what the small seed was about. That's what that internship was about. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that's how it'll, you know, continue through life. So,
0: you know, listening to you, I can, I, if I put myself in your shoes, I imagine myself still feeling a lot of angst through these hard decisions and, And I want to know what it was like for you while you're actually in the middle of it. Do you feel that sense of confidence in the what you have been given, the what choice that you feel like you have been led to, or do you still uh, just struggle with the angst behind it?
1: Oh, good question. I could probably go a few directions here. I think one thing that has been key, and I think maybe why I feel so passionate about helping other women, is if you really dig in to know the what. And sometimes that means pursuing doors that close. So you know that those aren't right. You know, it's not always here's the path and go down it. Sometimes it's you have to try a few things to know. If you really go through that process, once you find your answer, there are still things that come like fear um, or -hmm. feeling like I don't know what I'm doing or putting yourself out there or what if this isn't accepted? You know, there's, it's still hard and it's, Mm -hmm. and it's hard work. right? It just takes a lot of work. Most things just take a lot of work, but I think all of the questioning myself, I've got to a point where it's like, I may not know how to do it, but I just know I need to keep moving. I've got my marching orders now. Um, I just need to work. And I think work solves a lot of those problems for me where I get that angst or that worry or second guessing myself is typically when I just am not working or I haven't put my head down, at least in my, you know, this is obviously my perspective and not to say anyone else that feels angst is is not working. I think for me, if I work hard to get an answer and then I just keep moving forward, those fears don't take over to stop me in my Mm -hmm. course.
0: That's good to know. And also, you know, sometimes it's just in going forward that you are able to better know if it's right or not to continue. And I love that you're talking about this with the uh, frame of failure in mind, because you know, that has been something I've been thinking about a lot. And And I love how you're reframing what failure looks like. And it really can be a stepping stone to something greater. And I want to know an example. Do you have a personal example of this where maybe you did something and you weren't sure like the why that you had said? Was different than what you had envisioned it, but then how that ended up becoming a stepping stone, stone for something greater.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'll start with a really one in the beginning because I just referenced it. Um, wanting to be valedictorian.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Was there any was there any part of going to try to get straight A's in that goal that I had set because I wasn't a valedictorian? Did that take away from that at all? Hmm. It made me smarter. It helped my work. I think, like, the actual title of valedictorian, frankly, really didn't mean much. Yeah. Um, but it taught me how to work super hard, to be a great test taker, to know what to listen for in classes. I think the goal itself um, didn't really matter that much. Yeah. But everything that it helped me become in the process really was what it was about. And funny mm-hmm. enough, in my... in my uh, at, getting my degree, it was exactly the opposite. So I I went for that same thing and I had, I got an A minus about my junior year and in college, typically the valedictorian is not a 4.0 student, but somewhere pretty close to it. And, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um, they ended up erasing that, that A minus because they adjusted the curve and I ended up getting an A after the fact. And I had gone on my mission. I had, Oh, so before my mission, I had got a letter from the college and said, we want to, um, I guess at that point it's a, it's a committee. It's not just the top GPA wins. Oh, okay. Um, we want you go to look school? at you, bring them young university oh, and okay. you talk. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know how it works or what else they take in. Or I think if it, if they have a tied GPA, then they look at your extracurricular and your service and other things to go along with it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so they said, we want to consider you for valedictorian if you could submit. And I was on the right then filling out my mission papers. And I wasn't going to be graduating. And I said, you know, this doesn't really apply to me right now. But if somehow it works when I come back, you know, what an honor that would be and great on a resume and everything else.
2: Yeah.
1: And I came back and I was in the middle of my major. And I'm sitting in class and I hadn't had anything from them at this point. I hadn't applied for graduation. I'm sitting in the middle of a class and I just felt like, I was doing my major and had a business minor at that point and I had two classes left to take in the business minor which would have made me take one additional semester. And I'm sitting there and I just get this thought like, You just need to graduate. You just need to graduate. I was like, Okay, that's random. Like I should probably at least finish my business minor and I just felt like, you know, you're done and I'm like, Okay, that's so random. I'm gonna go talk to my to the counselor. So I go into the office and I'm kind of talking to her like, is it too late? Could I graduate if I just put in the application now and whatever? And she's like, yeah. And and actually they're deliberating right now, no joke, deliberating right now in the back room about about Victorian for this upcoming graduation. You should resubmit your application. Yeah. They're in there right now, you (laughs) know, um, ended up, you know, made it to the deliberation, but I just, I contrast those two things because my effort was the same in both of them. Um, one worked out, one didn't. Don't know what the difference was. Um, really was just timing and kind of a fluke, to be totally honest in both cases. Um, but the effort it put in, how what it led me to become, I think really were the things that probably mattered more. Um, I'll give one more because valedictorian is kind of just like a final destination, not maybe more of a business thing. But I feel like this had also happened... Um, right after my graduation from law school, I worked for a time at a company and I worked for about a year, worked pretty hard and we were just getting a startup off the ground. And then the CEO left for a few years, the new CEO took over and it was just kind of, nothing really happened Hmm. with it with me. And I thought, man, that was a lot of hard work. I could have been making a lot of money if I just would have gone and worked as an attorney for a year. Um, How does that make sense? Well, just recently, that same company—the old CEOs—come back, and the things that I was doing are now fitting in with a few new platforms, including this helping women find their mission. And it's just stuff I couldn't—I couldn't, I couldn't wow. have seen it, foreseen at the time. There's just mm-hmm. no way. Um, and I, I probably could tell you 15 more stories just like that, honestly, where I feel like, man, what was that for? And I probably have another 10 stories of things that I started pursuing and then kind of felt like go another direction but I still don't really have the answer to
2: mm-hmm. and
1: it excites me because I've seen enough now to say oh I'm excited to see where that's going to come back into play because yeah. I think at some point I think it will you
0: know another uh common thread with you is that you've had to grapple with these difficult decisions and you've had to sort through a lot of muck to get there and find your own answers that might look different than maybe what society wants you to do or even your family, your friends, your, or our, our culture. So while you're going through that, that dark period of trying to figure out and grapple with these hard decisions, what has taught you to find what your answer is? And I was also wondering if you could apply this to your decision to eventually leave the law and to become, uh, to focus on your children at home.
1: Yeah. Ooh, again, where do I start here? So, um, I think there's a lot of a lot of things. In this, I mean, really diving into this, helping other people, other women find their mission. Um, I've got a document right now that's got <laughs> pages and pages on helping people find this as well, and grappling with those difficult decisions. Um, I think a big thing for me is being patient and being introspective and writing down the ideas that come and then working and then writing down the ideas that come and being in tune. I actually just read um, the book, the Magnolia story by Chip and Joanna Gaines. Yeah. The light read if you haven't read that. Um, And she, she talks about a very similar journey about, And she puts it in her words, this still small voice. Hmm. And it's just here and there. And it's not all the time, but time to do this now. Time for this. And really being in tune. And actually, Clayton Christensen talks about something similar um, in a book. I'm going to try to remember the title right now. But he talks about as you're going to find a career or finding your life's path, you have an intentional strategy and then an emergent strategy. Um, your intentional strategy, it's called, how do you measure your life? It just came to me. Um, he talks about, you have this intentional strategy of this is what I'm pursuing. So, you know, for me, it was well, first a therapist, I'm going to be a marriage therapist. And so that's my decision. So I'll work towards that. And along the way, you might have a conversation or you might read a talk or someone might recommend a book, um, or you might find a mentor or a professor might say something And you kind of, it just resonates. There's just something in you, like um, Gerona Gaines talks about that still small voice, or I feel like is revelation, these promptings from God that are, huh, it just makes you kind of stop and think. Or you start to see themes where the same thought comes up over and over again, or you have it two or three times, or two people say the exact same thing to you. And to just have a time set aside in your day where you either can journal where you take some time for me in the scriptures and just write things and, and feelings and ideas that have come. Take some time to reflect and be intentional about those emergent strategies that are coming your way. Um, and I don't, in my mind, I don't see it. You can't rush that process. Um, again, I, I'm not, I don't know what I'm talking about, book like three times, but the magnolia story at the end, she talks about the magnolia flower itself it's a bloom that stays tight for a really long time, and then it seems like almost overnight it just blooms.
2: Mm.
1: And I feel I like that. that is how this process has been for me, mm-hmm. where it, I have my deliberate strategy, I'm pursuing, I'm pursuing, and it's like this bud is getting ready, it's getting ready, it's getting ready, but it takes it, it takes probably longer than you want. But as you're, you know, if you're prayerful as you're thoughtful as you write as you think and you ponder on those things and kind of let them ripen inside you when the time's right then all of a sudden it all gels and you're like it, it's almost like this matrix yeah. <laughs> all the start coming together and you think oh my goodness and I know this person over here and that person from my childhood and someone just talked to me about this website and all of a sudden that emergent strategy then becomes your new deliberate strategy mm-hmm. and then you continue And you're deliberate for a while. And then, again, you start seeing a piece. And then it's a little course correction here and a course correction there. So I feel like those times, I can't rush it. It doesn't happen overnight. It's usually a period of months where these ideas come. And I've got a piece of paper over here. And it's something in my notebook over there. And a note in my phone open with ideas over here. But then once it's right, it's very easy for me to I think it's very easy for people to recognize if you've taken the time to be deliberate about those thoughts coming your way, there's no mistaking once it blooms. I think you can see it. Um, so that that has been the process. And it, at times it's been frustrating because mm-hmm. I want to rest it. God, yes. tell me, like, just help me. Like, I'm seeing all these things, but why can't I see the big picture yet? Or I want to start the degree this fall, not in January, or mm. I want to start a business right now. It seems like the timing's right. and, um, but, but don't rush it. Don't rush it. Let those things, you know, let them ripen because it's more beautiful that way. It tastes better. You know, all those mm. analogies of fruit and flowers. Like, yes. Give it the time it takes and you won't regret it, I think.
0: You know what? What else? And I forget
1: your second question.
0: (laughs) Well, we'll talk about that. But I, I wanted to just point out too that um, what I like about what you're saying is it's an ongoing process for you. This is something you are doing all the time. It's not just like, okay, I'll make this big decision and then I'm done. You know, it's this is the the way that you are constantly keeping those streams open in your mind and the channels open of of uh direction about where you need to go and what your voice is, because I think it's also important for us to remember that even when you um, get an answer and you pursue that, or you feel like you know your direction and you pursue that, that doesn't mean your decisions are done. You know, you'll continue to have, you need to continually make more decisions. It doesn't end each time. So I just love that you've made that who you are and a foundation of who you are.
1: And I think that goes back to too that what versus the why right like mm-hmm. we feel the what and then oh it's done I, I've ripened this is the only fruit I'll have my whole life and it's exciting me to think that there's more yes But it's not the one because you know you get one blossom one time in your life and isn't it nice to think that we're going to have continual seasons through our life where the, where we're blooming and it's going to continue to grow and continue to progress and that's for me I think some people that maybe that could sound scary, or feel like oh that's so much work, or mm-hmm. man have I've never done. But really, that's a very exciting thing to. I'm being pushed to my limits right now and creating one thing, and there's going to be even more probably next year and ten years from now. I'm going to be in a place that I never imagined. Like I think if you continue to ask and seek and write, and then act on those things you're feeling, life it just gets better and better. It just, it truly, I feel like that's how it's supposed to be. If you keep in a way living outside your comfort zone and pursuing those ideas and thoughts and feelings that come to you, don't, I, I think we can too often see it as something scary or wor- too much work instead saying, this is exciting. Wow. I never could have imagined, this. you know, what a, what a cool thing that life can be this way.
0: I love that shift in thinking there too. You know, you brought up seasons. So for you, there's the season of work that you had, and then there was a season of you being a stay-at-home mom. And I had brought that up earlier. Can you tell me about what that transition and choice was like for you?
1: Yeah. Um, Probably a little different, (laughs) maybe, than other people. I had been working for this company in my home before, Mm. um, the year between law school and when I had my baby my first our oldest daughter. Um, and right about that time was when I started my blog, um, which then became a team of bloggers for what it is now. And now what I'm doing it like, it's actually been a pretty fluid thing. Um, because, and maybe part of that was because I was never at an office to begin with. My yeah. office has always been in my home.
2: Oh, okay, um, yeah.
1: So that has, that's been a little different, but I there definitely was a shift in my mindset, mm-hmm. which was probably equally as great, even though it maybe wasn't a physical location thing. Um, coming from a family where, not from a family, but from a background where, as I said before, I wanted 13 kids,
2: mm-hmm.
1: the thought of doing something besides being a mom, fully invested, looking at my kids, entertaining my kids, down on the floor with my kids 24/7 was really strange to me. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, But then I had my first baby, and I realized, wow, babies nap like four times a day. Yeah. And I was shocked. I thought, once you have a baby, you have no time for anything else. That's truly what I thought. And I was like, that's just, that's not the case. Okay, she sleeps. And then even when she's awake for that first year, she just, we can't read books all day. She doesn't really want to. She's really just sitting there looking at a mogul or being in my arms and
2: mm-hmm.
1: um so what now like I think that really was as I was thinking about this blog and feeling like I need to start this blog it was it actually was a very natural thing realizing I actually have a lot of time and she's down at seven and she's up at seven at mm-hmm. another 12 hours I have all my evenings and um I mean I, I could be just seek out entertainment or I I could learn a language or I
2: could
1: could do a lot of stuff, but I do have time. There just is time. And um, obviously the more kids and the older they're getting, that's changing. But I think that's where I was a little bit surprised to realize there's still a lot I can do with my gifts and my talents and my training. What do I want to do with that? And I really came to a point where I, I was feeling like, man, if I work or if I do something coming from a culture where family is so emphasized, which I love, I felt like if I do anything else, I'm neglecting my family.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I realized I'm, I'm actually not neglecting anyone. I have time. So it's really a question of what do I do? And I, I started studying women. And, and to this day, I've been studying, what did women do 100 years ago? Yeah. What did women do 80 years ago, 50 mm-hmm. years ago, 30 years ago? And I started realizing, I think, it's only in the last 30, 50 years where we've made this big line that you're either a mom or you're a worker. You're either a mom or you're a worker. And if you look at women 100 years ago, women are workers. We are workers. Yeah. This doesn't mm-hmm. mean you leave your family. But all the things that we don't have to do now, like plant our own crops and stand over a washboard and – grub dishes, that's what took up the majority of women's time. Yes. They were, they were planting and they were. So I truly feel like as women today, we have been given a gift that most women throughout his, the history of time did not have. And that's time. Yes. We have an incredible amount of time. That's not to say laundry doesn't take me time or dishes don't take me time. But really I mostly just don't like doing laundry. It's not that it takes me 24-7, seven days a week, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just I don't really like laundry. It's kind of <laughs> annoying. But I can probably do most of my laundry, say I didn't do it for a week, I could probably get it done in six or seven hours in one day. Instead of just a just, you know, like, hours a day, yeah. Exactly. That's probably the most. And so realizing that, I thought, so what am I going to do with this time? And what were those women doing with their children when they were working, they were teaching them to work too. Hmm. They were teaching them to work. And anyway, I'm, I'm going off on it. a tangent a little bit, but I, I think that's really where I've come to is I think what I felt guilty about in the beginning is, am I entertaining my kids? And I've started realizing that's really not the culture I want my children to have, that mom's role is to entertain me.
2: Mm-hmm. My role mm-hmm.
1: is to teach them. My role is to help them become workers, to feel it, to learn their gifts and talents, um, to love them, to teach them unconditional love, to teach them how to act in society, how to love each other. But to entertain my children, that's not really my role. Yeah. I feel like they can entertain themselves because kids do that really well yeah, if they have been given that opportunity, you know. So a little bit of a tangent, but...
0: Well, you know, I'm passionate about that topic, too, and I think it is is—it is hard for us to grapple as women in our current culture, like you've talked about, with that strong line and the sand that I think really just divides us in ways that it, it doesn't need to, and I like what you're saying, though. Regardless of if you are a stay-at-home mom or you work outside the home, you still need to find a way to grow yourself and your gifts and your talents, and doing that is going to benefit your children far more than if you had been 110% devoted to only them, and I know that seems like almost um, sacrilegious to say that, but I have experienced that too, and I wonder what you can say on on that thought about how we, you know, women having, and mothers especially, having their own dreams and passions and goals benefits their children.
1: Yeah. So something you just said, I've thought a lot about that we need to develop ourselves. And I heard a lot of people say, I just need an outlet, almost like Mm -hmm. I need to get away for a while. And what I've really come to believe and that I thought a lot about is I actually think what we have is we have gifts to give the world.
2: Hmm.
1: We have things that we're supposed to be doing ways that we can bless those in our community, maybe our neighbors, maybe those online. And when we don't do that, we feel a hole. I believe Mm -hmm. this, And I think it's less about an outlet because there are some things I can do like binge watch shows or spend endless amount of time making myself look better. And I don't really feel any better after mm-hmm. I'm not more excited to be a mom. I'm not, it, it doesn't give in the same way that when I feel like I've asked those questions and what do I have to give the world? And for me, I really believe, and I heard this on another podcast and it just resonated is I go to God to get my mark, my mar- my marching orders. I go to him and what are my marching orders? And then I do them. And what I love about this, and she actually said this, Ellie Holcomb, um, she's a musician in a podcast I listened to a month or so ago. She said what I love about that, and she's also a mother, is what I want to teach my kids is they also have a gift or gifts to give the world. Hmm. And that is what I want to be an example of. And at times they help me. Maybe we go deliver things together. But if I'm teaching them that I've asked God that day what it is that I can do, and then I teach them how to follow that those marching orders, they're going to learn that that's what their purpose, that's what they get to do too. And they can do it now. They can do it at school. They can ask those questions before they go to elementary school or kindergarten or preschool. My one daughter last year, we talked a lot about this. And what can you do? What is you know What do you have to give? And I believe that's the root of self-esteem. That's the root of happiness, fulfillment as a, a woman, um, and it also it's a it's a much less selfish place than saying I need an outlet or I need to get away from my kids or I'm so exhausted. When I come, you know, when it's, if it's their nap time and I say, well, I could watch a show or I could work on this company. When I go work and I feel like I'm giving to the world in that way, they wake up and I am stoked to be a mom. Yeah, I have this mm. energy and this excitement and. Um, I'm ready to teach them, and, and I think I think it's that spirit that Joanna Gaines talked about. That when you follow that that small voice and you give to the world what you have to give, though it's hard, you know. I mean, it's it's not an easy thing. I'm making it sound like you just go do it. Like there are times when I'm like, I just kind of want to go watch a show. I kind of just want to go veg. I want to go eat something. I you know. Yeah. It's work and it's late nights, and but when I do it. It's exciting, and and that ultimately, again, is what I want to model for my children: um, is how to get your marching orders and do it. And it's less about me finding an outlet, and more about me doing what I feel I have been created to do.
0: And I bet that's probably how you know you are on the right path: that feeling of fulfillment, even if you're doing something that does take a lot of work. Um, Or you know, sometimes I mean, that that rest has its place, but. But doing it when you really need it, I think, is far more fulfilling than making it the go-to. So I like what you're saying, you know, finding that fulfillment is often a good confirmation that you're headed in the right direction.
1: Um, And one thing I'll add is it's so important to find that release valve. I know I've talked about working hard and working smart and being driven and what's important now. Um, But I see this in my marriage. I am married to a guy who knows how to have fun. He knows how to make me loosen up and laugh a lot. And for my personality being a driver, I think that has been something. Finding humor as a release valve or finding good hobbies or things that are just enjoyable, good books, entertainment, those absolutely also have a place Um, and the role of art or good media to help you get your grounding again. And some of those emergent strategies, ideas that have come to me, have come when I've unplugged and just had fun with my family or gone and done something with my husband or watched a great movie. It helps me see outside the box of what I've been so focused on to give me some great ideas, to have fun, to give me the energy I need. So in all this heavy discussion and good discussion about working hard and working smart, don't forget, like, enjoy life. Enjoy your family. Have fun. Go, Go do those things and in the end, I think those are what give back maybe just as much sometimes as the hard work you do.
0: And that comes um, into play with, you know, you've always loved to create. That was what you loved as a little girl. And I'm glad that you're learning how important that is to translate that love of creativity and joy and fun into life as an adult.
1: Yes, I love that you said that. And for me, people say, like, did you always want to be in business? And Really, I always wanted to create. That's what was so fun, whether it was new worlds and books or whatever, like, I love creating. I'm so glad you said that because it has been so true in my life.
0: So how does this all apply to The Small Seed? Tell us about what that is and uh, just how this all kind of plays together.
1: Yeah, so The Small Seed is a non-denominational blog about faith, like I said before. So I started about four years ago really feeling strongly. I needed to start talking about my faith online, which well, I, to be honest, I was just really scared. Like I felt there weren't a lot of people, at least to my knowledge, that were speaking openly about faith online. And I kind of felt like, man, you're going to you're gonna be that weird girl who like always talks about her faith. And people were like, oh yeah, Lizzie Jensen, that girl that like always like has to talk about her faith. And it wasn't me trying to push myself on people or feel that. I just really felt like we need to open up a dialogue. We need to be able to be more open about something that's so central, such a central experience. And so I started it and... Kind of thought, you know, it was just like a family blog. I wrote about my experiences. Shortly after I decided to start the blog, we found out we were having um, high risk twins, actually. And so I ended up being in the hospital for a couple months.
2: Oh, my goodness. um,
1: Which gave me a lot of time to think and write and work on being a writer, (laughs) which I didn't feel very good at. Yeah, it was a really crazy time, um, but ended up being just personally a huge blessing because I could focus on helping other people while I was in, in the hospital. In that room, um, and then at that time, a couple girls kind of came, wrote me random emails like, "This might sound crazy, but if you ever need help on the small feed I would love to be a part of something like this." So, kind of grew a team there, and then another team. You know, it's really morphed through the last three, four years. Um, and ironically, I work really at a tr- transition phase as well of some new platforms we're going to be diving into and combining with a couple other companies to create something new. So some really exciting things on the horizon and definitely never back when I felt like, Oh, I'm starting a personal blog about my faith and I'm going to be the weirdo um, <laughs> never could have foreseen or thought it would be anything, even just feeling like anyone would want to read it. That was kind of like as high as I was shooting at that point. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think it applies in all of the ways and even just seeing, again, the how versus the why, I feel like um, some of the, a lot of the why's that I thought, some of the things that have really come out from that is I've had three years now of honing my experience of working with teams and leading teams. And I'm seeing how that's coming to play in some other arenas, um, which I just, I didn't expect it ever to be a team at the small seat. So that was yeah. never something I thought. Would happen, and but it's been it's been exciting and seeing it grow and people come and it hasn't been the weird blog at all, which Never. I'm grateful for.
0: It's so great, <laughs> and I do feel like yeah. it applies to everyone, which I love about it. Um, could, I know you don't need to tell us exactly what you guys are going to be up to, but when do you think will you be um, announcing what's next for you guys?
1: Yeah, so we are really hoping that at least a part of the platform. And part of what we're doing, we can start talking about early fall. Um, So hopeful that we meet that deadline, and I've got a couple women on the team that are just hard, hard workers. So I'm hoping that we're able to announce some of that then, which I'm so excited about.
0: I can't find. I can't wait to find out more about that. Um, So you know, I want to. I want to ask you briefly about goal making because it sounds. I mean, you are obviously. Uh, a, a goal-oriented person, but we all do it differently. So what are some things that have worked for you?
1: I've tried a lot of things. Maybe everybody has. <laughs> We're all trying to, you know, how can I stay motivated and work towards those things? Um, one little phrase. Well, there's a couple of phrases that I've kind of used as little mantras. Um, one phrase has been vision the accomplishment. Um, and this is actually said to me in a blessing um, in my church, again, that's something that if we're seeking help or seeking advice and answers, we can be given a blessing. And there was that phrase in there, vision the accomplishment of mm-hmm. those things that you're doing. And that has been really effective for me in goal setting is taking that time in those years where you're pursuing one strategy. What does the accomplishment of that look like? Envision that. Write it out. Spend time thinking about it. Um typically the day to day work, you don't fo- you're focused on those little little pieces along the way. But when you can start visioning that accomplishment, I think it takes a life all of its own. It takes on a life all of its own and becomes exciting and you don't get caught in the reeds. You can really look out and see what's happening. Um, that's maybe not a goal setting tactic, but it's been something that's been really effective for me instead of just focusing on always the little things ahead of me, Mm -hmm. continue to see that big picture and get excited about it. Like taste it. It's when you're looking forward to a good, you know, a fun trip or a really good meal, Thanksgiving dinner. Like there's a lot you can do when you have something excited coming up um, to save money or whatever. Um, So that's been one thing that's really helped. Another is an acronym I heard in the book essentialism. And the author of Essentialism really applies it maybe in a little bit of a different way, but he talks about winning, W-I-N, and he breaks it down to what's important now. And I've applied this actually in a lot of different settings now. Even when I work out, what's important right now? What do I want to win at right now? It's getting a hard workout and pushing myself harder than maybe I'm comfortable with because that's what's important right now. It's not getting water. It's not going like walking around. or It's just whatever I'm doing, the reps that I'm doing, the weights I'm lifting, whatever, do that as if it's the most important thing because it is. And then when I do the next thing, what's important now, it's with my kids, be all in. Don't be half on my phone, half with them. When I'm working on stuff on my computer, be all in and focusing on what's important now. Um, I think combining the two of those, what's important now, focusing on the most important And adding and marrying that to visioning the accomplishment of the thing in the the future, it keeps – I think goal setting really is like what's motivating you, right? What's motivating you to work every day and exciting? And that goes back to the valedictorian thing, I guess, too, is what's important now, it's class by class, it's test by test, but keeping that accomplishment in mind of – but in the end of the day, there's going to be something really sweet. There's going to be a really sweet prize at the end that I'm working for so I can get through – this one test, this one class, whatever it is that's not as fun right in front of me. Um, I think those two mantras have really been pushing me to work harder towards the things that I really care about um, most recently.
0: Oh, that's so great. And I love that that can be applicable to any uh, system that you end up putting in place or, you know, a way that works for you. You know, I ask each guest this um, before we say goodbye and I want to know what you have learned about yourself the past few years.
1: Mm, so good. Um, something I was just thinking about right before we jumped on the call, actually, and then I was, um, I know this is something we talk about a lot, so maybe this is appropriate, but I've been learning that perfectionism is the devil's tool for me.
2: <sighs> it
1: is, it is how I am worked on. I think There's, you know, what I talked about before, the hard work. I think going from doing your best to perfection, that perfectionism, it's a really small amount of um, difference. The degree and difference between your best effort and having something be perfect is really small. But we can spend the majority of time on a project, on our appearance, on whatever it is, to get to perfection. And that extra amount of time, I feel like, kills good projects, it makes us not interact with others, it costs us a lot more money, and it withholds us from giving to the world that gift that we have that I referred to earlier. I think it's perfectionism. It stops me from posting something on Instagram, because the picture's not right. It stops me from doing this work with being, you know, my mission to help women find their mission. It's really slowed me down because, you know, the website I want to be perfect and the pictures of me I put up and how do I talk about it. I have been listening to a few podcasts and the, uh, there's this unifying thing: Commit to be a maker. Commit to putting yourself out there. Commit to doing it before you feel like it's done. The um, mantra at Facebook for a long time was move fast and break things. Perfectionism, it's, it takes a good thing and either stops you from doing it or takes you so long to do it that you may miss the time in which, in which it's even needed. You may miss your window. Because of that little extra that we stress over so greatly that really doesn't matter at all and actually doesn't just not matter, I think that's I think it's destructive. So heavy note. <laughs> to, to end no, that, you know that's exactly
0: that uh, that's what I feel too. And I'm so glad that you would work it in a way that I couldn't. And um, I'm really, really grateful that you took the time to be on the show, Lizzie. Thank you so much.
1: You bet. Thank you so much for having me and for the discussion that you're having on all these topics. They are so needed. So it's an honor.
0: Each time I tried to nail down a quote from Lizzie as I listened to our chat a few times, I really struggled because she is so full of knowledge and advice and experience and I, I learned so much from her and I love to get to know her better as well. She's given me so much to think about and I'd love to hear what you took away from this episode and how Lizzie has inspired you. You can let me know by direct messaging me on Instagram or Facebook at About Progress or by emailing me at packerprogress at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about Lizzie and the small seed, please check out the links I've put to both of her, um, both her Instagram accounts and her website for the small seed. Those are on my show notes on my website aboutprogress.com. And there you can also access past interviews. Just go to the podcast tab at the top and you can explore away. I would also love to encourage you to please email me if you have someone you'd like to nominate to be on the show either as an interviewee or to be highlighted for my do something spotlight that I do at the last episode of the month. I've got a great highlight coming for you next week, and I'm really looking forward to sharing that one. Next Wednesday will be our special monthly podcast based on a theme I've been thinking about. And I have been working on this one for a while, and I'm really, really excited about it. And I think it's something that we all need to learn more about. This definitely isn't coming from an expert here. So you can tune in next Wednesday for that special episode. And until then, take care of yourself.
1: Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death